Hey, everybody. Really big story this morning. Kevin Rose is actually removing the IP rights that Moonbirds had, similar to Board Ape Yacht Club, and instead implementing CC0 licensing, the Creative Commons license, similar to Cryptodes by Gremlin. So a lot of people in the space are torn. Uh, during the show, you you actually see the bottom of Moonbirds. They go to, uh, down as low as about 13 and a half Ethereum. So definitely pretty wild stuff to see out there. There's a bit of a, a heated debate, uh, you know, over the subject. So it's very interesting to listen to. The show is sponsored by the Haas Brothers who are very well-known artists from the traditional art world, known for sculpture and some other really innovative stuff. And they have an NFT project coming out, and I'm personally really excited about it, so it's a great sponsored spot too. Overall, it's just a really great show. Hope you guys enjoy it. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's Friday, last show of the week. This is the NFT Morning Show. We do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. each and every week where we discuss all things NFT market, which projects are working, which projects are just straight up hurting, and all of the stories of the NFT space. We've been talking about a lot of juicy topics this week, the fine art world, the current state of the NFT market, the crypto markets, and where we're going with that, as well as some of the macroeconomic conditions that have been informing the market activity. Uh, today's show is sponsored by the Haas Brothers and specifically their NFT project called MultiBeast. So make sure that you retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top. That'll give you a chance to win one MultiBeast NFT. Uh, really, really excited to dig into this one later in the show. If you don't know who the Haas brothers are, you might want to Google them in the meantime, get a little bit familiar before we dive in uh, because it's going to be a good convo. Uh, and as always, if you enjoy the content, you can check out the links that we have posted uh, to access other things like our podcast, our YouTube, and everything like that. Uh, I'm P.O. here with my co-host, Nifty Nick, King Kicks. Uh, Signal, unfortunately, will not be able to make it today. She is traveling. And we have some of our badass speakers, Quad, Ben Jamin, and Spencer Gordon-Sand. Here's Easy. I'm going to invite him to co-host, too. Uh, so before we dive into it, I just want to see, Nick, how's it going? It's going all right. He's not connected yet, by the way. Easy is uh, Easy's been just getting rugged on a regular basis, so I don't know what's going on there. But um, total aside, yeah, I've been. Uh, it's been an interesting morning. Um, I'm thinking about a number of things. I bought so I bought some NFTs yesterday. We'll get into that later. Uh, but uh, I, it was. I, I feel like I was fomoing in my own head or like creating like hype within my own head as I like went in and made a purchase, which is kind of uh, something that's happened on a consistent basis for me. Um, so I don't know if that's a good thing, uh, but we'll, we'll discuss that. And then, um, yeah, I'm just watching the markets. Uh, well, so far it's dumped as a result of this jobs report, which was super hot um, with, what was it? Something like four times uh, the numbers, uh, the, the expected numbers are t some, some crazy, um, or at least double uh, in terms of the amount of jobs added, uh, despite the fact that we're in quote unquote, a recession. Um, so that, uh, we, we lost you. We lost sorry. you there at the, in the middle after the recession. Yeah. It's cause my alarm went off. Anyways, uh, th that's it. That's all that's going on on my end. 
All righty. Well, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that that jobs report. I'm sure Spencer will have some opinions on that, trying to add easy right now. Uh, but King Kicks, what's going on in your morning? It's Friday, man. It's been a good week. How you feeling? Feeling much better today. Got some good sleep last night. Got uh, my, my family got like a cold or something uh, yesterday or the day before. So it's just going through that. But yeah, man, it's Friday. Feeling great. Got some plans later in the afternoon, dude. So I'm feeling good. How about you? Oh, feeling great, man. Yeah, your weather report yesterday was a little bit uh, different in the sense that I could tell that you were just struggling uh, with that that little bit of a, a bug that you had. So I'm glad that you've gotten over that. And of course, uh, it'll be back-to-back weather days for you today, considering Signal is not around today. So obviously, I'm excited to hear what you cooked up. Easy, you actually made it to the stage. Uh, I hope I don't speak too soon. I'm trying to invite you to co-host. Your, easy, your show got rugged yesterday right like your twitter show literally got rugged to the point that you had to restart it Am yeah I right just about like shut that? off yesterday i started it started talking it was timed kind of perfectly though because uh an individual on the solana show changed their picture to an eth pfp and we were talking about it and then the space rugged so it was fitting but man twitter space is in a dumpster right now <laughs> well, it looks like Elon dodged a bullet by not buying it. I added Spencer today. He couldn't mute. Uh, Node got rugged. It looked like you already got rugged. So we're definitely off to a good start with Twitter Spaces. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is the glorious life of being a Twitter Spaces host is just dealing with technical issues after an update that nobody asked for got rolled out. But anyway, we don't have to harp on Twitter Spaces from a technical perspective or Twitter's inability to, to make it work. Um, but let's dive right into that weather report let's just get things kicked off it's friday last day of the, uh, last show of the week king kicks what's going on yes sir today is friday august 5th um and yeah this is the weather report so overnight volume um came in at uh 14.3 million so still hanging out in that 14 to 15 uh million range uh and uh the leaders of the blue chips are still mostly ranging uh, apes between 81 and 82 uh, mutants between 16 and 17 and punks sitting around 76 ETH. Um, Moonbirds is, is getting uh, battered right now. It looks like it's at 15.85. So it's down like 15% um, over the past 24 hours. Doodles are hovering at 9.4. So just shy of 10 ETH. And Clonex making a little bit of a move up, 10% move up from an 8.3 ETH floor to an 8.9 ETH floor. Apparently, there was a big sweep. Uh, that is the big cause behind that. Um, punks continue to lead the OpenSea ranks over the past 24 hours. They've had 40% more volume than apes. Uh, and today is the Tiffany Public Mint. Um, expectation is the collection will definitely sell out. And there's actually been two secondary um, sales. Uh, Kevin Rose announced that Moonbirds is going CC0. Um, Discord and Twitter have been fueled with debate over the past 24 hours. Certain notable uh, industry leaders like Pranksy dislikes the move, um, while Punk6529, of course, fully supports the move towards CC0. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that on the show today. Um, the Ledger NFT is up in volume and price after two big sweeps on the Genesis passes. Um, 
they have their marketplace coming next week. Uh, floors on the passes were hovering around that 0.5 ETH range for a while, and now they're trading at or above um, 0.7 ETH. Let me double check. Yeah, it's at 0.75 right now. Um, 10KTF announced they are partnered with ApeCoin. Um, holders who were part of the January snapshot staking tools are participating in Battletown will receive some ApeCoin. Um, the claim for Ape starts tomorrow. And then lastly, looking over at the uh, crypto uh, area, um, Bitcoin is trying to hold uh, 23K. Looks like it's probably going to pierce below that. Um, Ethereum with much more relative strength over the past 24 hours, um, sitting at 1676. Uh, but both are reacting to the jobs report that just came out earlier this morning. Um, but that's it for Friday's August weather report. Fantastic weather report. You sound a lot better today, Kix. Uh, just to add to it, some points from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the newsletter that Signal writes for the Nifty five days a week. Uh, if you go to the nifty.com, you can pop your email in and subscribe for it. Uh, Coinbase and BlackRock have partnered together to give institutional clients access to crypto. So even though we're in a bear market, you're continuing to see more and more institutional Adopt adoption, in this case, institutional partnership uh, concerning the crypto markets. Uh, Meta, also known as Facebook, uh, has started to roll out NFTs across 100 countries after also integrating with Coinbase's wallet and Dapper. Digital artist, aka NFT artist, our very own Amber Victoria, took over Instagram's account to share her learnings at Web3. So you're seeing a very deep integration uh, between Instagram's fa uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Web3. The NFTs.com domain has been sold for 15 million bucks. That's a lot of money, making it the largest publicly reported domain name sale of this year. Uh, totally sounds like NFTs are dead, though. Uh, and last but not least, Holiday, the Web3 startup, raised $6 million for buy now, pay later Ethereum NFTs. So uh, we're seeing a lot of news in, in just like the NFT and crypto worlds, whether it's adoption from big you know tech magnates like Facebook or big domain sales, biggest of the year, or institutions figuring out ways to partner with crypto native companies to get implementation going. Uh, so even though it's a bear market, there's no shortage of positive news events for the space. Uh, diving into the show, look, we got Easy with his hand raised, Spencer with his hand raised. Let's start off with Easy. Easy, what's on your mind, man? Apparently, I got to raise my hand. Jesus. And, and actually, Easy, before we throw to you, just a reminder, everybody, today's show is sponsored by the Haas Brothers. If you want a chance to win one of their multi beast NFTs that we're going to be giving away at the end of the show, then retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow the Haas Brothers on Twitter. Uh, and we will be diving into that project later in the show. Definitely going to be a good one. So you don't want to miss that. That's one that you're going to want to win. So make sure that you do that. And we'll be talking about uh, that a lot more later. Easy. What's going on, man? Not much. Just changed my profile picture. Huge fan of the CCO movement. Uh, Pio, you can now have any Moonbird that you want. It's uh, a little bit better price action on this as well. You can just right-click, save it. I'm, I'm excited for the change. It's clear that investors are not, though. Offers are getting accepted at 16 right now. 
I'm curious what other people think about the CCL argument here. Easy. How does it feel to have a profile picture that people can actually know what collection it's from now? That's way, <laughs> way better. But Claude, how does it feel to lose ten grand overnight? They just <laughs> <made their purchases? laughs> uh, uh, I don't. I don't uh, consider that losing ten grand overnight easy because uh, I'm not a paper-handed little girl and I don't sell. <laughs> so, hey, Claude, your profile picture is the next one I'm using for the rest of the day. Thanks. <laughs> wow, wow. I, I actually expect... just took all of them and launched a new collection <laughs> called Moonbirds. Uh, you should buy that one. <laughs> no, so no, really no, you ex- can't use the name. So you have to say like Moon Burbs with a B and you're good. Uh, I did not expect uh, the beginning of this show to be a back and forth between Easy and Quad over Moonbirds. I think that this is a buy the dip opportunity for Moonbirds for sure. Like, it's interesting that the market just says, oh, you, you know, your announcement is CCO. We don't we don't like that at all. I, I don't know, Nick, anybody else? Do you have any thoughts on this? On this? Well, you know, it was it was one thing, which was basically the fact that they had said that uh, it wasn't and that you had commercial rights to your uh, NFT, and then they just switched it. That was the biggest, I think, uh, frustration and why some people were uh, uh, selling it because it's like, we're the next board Ape. Just kidding. We're different. We're CCO. So they went from board Ape to nouns. It was essentially what what went on there. Um, I, I ended up doing a poll on my profile to see what people thought about uh, like whether or not this was a net positive or a net negative, um, 56%. And this is a perfect polling uh, as the team, uh, our team has a, a, you know, polling statistician. So that's not biased whatsoever. Um, but 56% of people thought it was a bad thing. 44 thought it was a good thing. Um, I, it, I, I like go back and forth on this. I'm on the fence because after X copy announced their, uh, his CCO, and a lot of the collectors there were very happy. Uh, I was like, man, I could see a lot of collections actually just leaning into this and going full-blown CCO. And Kevin Rose last night on the uh, was hopped on a stage with uh, Farouk, who had a space going at that time. And he basically said, which is 100% valid, the biggest frustration of this is if you have a business and a brand that's trademarked, you have to protect it in order to uh, d- uh, verify that you actually own this trademark. That's one. That's like an obligation that you suddenly take on. And it's not cheap. Um, and you end up then also having to, like he was saying, he used the AI Moonbirds as an example of something where he was like, I didn't want to call those people and say, you have to stop using this. But literally our lawyers are like, people can't use your name. I, so one person just said uh, that you can't use the name. I, I, based on what he said, there was there. It sounded. I have some ambiguity about that at this moment in time. Um, but yeah, you can slightly modify it. But the degree to which that exists, like that, that's a whole other question. Um, but outside of that, I think the biggest reason for the sell-off is literally just like the mixed perception of I own this asset uh, now. What's not clear, and this is something that, uh, why this is such an interesting thing to uh, see play out in real time, it's not clear outside of people that are like emotionally frustrated about the fact that it felt like they got one thing and, and instead got another. It's not clear how many people actually utilize these assets truly and exploit them for their commercial rights. Um, like if someone right now stole my PFP and made it theirs, they don't own it. 
but there's people that can do it theoretically. Like I can't stop them from do that, doing that. Am I going to hire a lawyer to like defend the fact that like, this is my PFP. I've had people DM me. They try to monetize it. Not if they just use it as their PFP. I mean, yeah, I get that. Um, it's, but now it's like an obligation on me, the person that bought that NFT, which is a whole other can of worms that I got to deal with now. So I, I don't know. I, it's, it's really interesting to see. It's not clear where this plays out. And I think it's going to take uh, a longer period of time to actually see it manifest. I, I'm like, I can go both ways on this. So I'm sort of middle of the road on it. Um, I, it's not, it's unsurprising to see uh, this dip to a certain degree, um, primarily just because it, it, it's a bad uh, leadership image. And I think that it's something that took, there's a lot of people that are saying, yeah, no, it's all good. But that was the same way when like punks would do something last year and the punk hunters were like, no, 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 no. That's all cool. They have a bigger plan when they didn't. But like <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> the so, NFT space is all about bigger plans. That, that yeah. Exist. <laughs> Go ahead. And, 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 and so, yeah, it's split between people defending the, the, the management. And despite the fact that they just got basically raked over the coals and then uh, those who are like, um, no, nah, I'm pissed off about this and like feel comfortable articulating that. And then some subset that are like, well, I'm going to dump this as a result. Yeah. I mean, look, everyone uh, has their hand raised. I'm excited to, you know, go around, including our sponsor, but Spencer, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was, I was going to say like the people who this is the worst for isn't anyone who like was really, who is like building a brand around their Moonbird. So like anyone who might have bought a Moonbird to like make their ice cream company, but like good thing that moonbirds are so ugly and no one was doing that anyway so like does this really <laughs> impact anyone like i mean why zero per yeah, project that nobody wanted to use in the first place oh you're you, are you going to commercialize your wrecked guy <laughs> dude no I, i've switched to king kicks as a refresh i'm, I'm a moonbird now i've joined we easy all birds, the, baby. The, the, the real the real question here is if is if do, do easy and i now get the like heralding every time we talk or is that utility only saved for the on-chain birds? <laughs> wow. Well, look, this is a spicy Friday morning. Easy, Spencer, and Quad all coming in hot. Uh, you know, our sponsor, Remaster.io, uh, raised their hand and, and is unmuted. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I have I have a lot of thoughts. Um, first of all, can you, can you guys hear me? Just yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay, great. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to take my opinion just completely out of this because there's yeah, that's what we want. Well, I'll, I'll, give you my, I'll give you my opinion, but there's but there's a lot of just what's going on that, regardless of anyone's opinion, regardless of your beliefs in CCO or whatnot, the fact is that NFTs are essentially property. Web three is about ownership, and when you buy property, similar in the real world, the rights should be defined at the time of purchase, and. Right now, what's happening, those rights are being changed after purchase. So imagine buying a house and then the person, you know, who sold you the house is like, hey, by the way, I'm going to I'm going to change the countertops that uh, we, we both agree to. Like there's already enough precedent that you actually cannot do this because you're changing the commercial relationship between the community and the creator. So if you're doing that and it materially changes this because you could imagine someone could have a moonbird could have had a viable business, uh, you know, with their trademark, with their copyright, and is now relying on the profits of that specific asset. And the value of that asset is being subjectively changed by management. So either 
it's considered a security or it's not. You can't have it both ways. And what's going on now is very similar to what is going on in the Web2 space where, you know, you're you're accessing content, you're accessing Facebook, Netflix via a subscription model where in order to gain access to that content, you have to agree to the terms of service. They farm out your data, blah, blah, blah. We all know the story. But in Web3, access to that content is based on ownership and ownership. There's a, a fundamental paradigm shift. So the fact that people can change the rights of my asset after we have already agreed is a significant issue, which brings up, I mean, enforceability issues in the space just in general, because people don't even see the contracts that are associated to the assets when they're buying them on, you know, third party marketplaces. So it's just pure chaos because you can't even prove people are agreeing to the contracts. You know, I'm on OpenSea, I'm agreeing to OpenSea's terms of service. I'm not actually agreeing to the, you know, Moonbird's contract at the time of purchase. So that contract is already rendered moot and completely ineffective. And a lot of lawyers are starting to talk about this, Uh, you know, some of the issues we've seen with Seth Green, Board Ape, and, and, and some of uh, the IP rights, but just there are a lot of fundamental issues uh, around enforceability that, that don't exist in the space. And I think it's going to be one of the biggest bottlenecks to growth in the NFT space because, you know, utility, all of the, 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 the ownership rights are defined in these contracts. And if those contracts are not enforceable, then you're setting yourself up for, for failure. Man, it's fascinating when you when you kind of lay it out like that. And I wonder if this is something that could ultimately be because, you know, because of the significance of Moonbirds, this isn't like, you know, this is a top five NFT project objectively. Would you think that there's do you think that there's any situation where Kevin Rose could potentially, you know, be brought to court or some sort of could an example be made of this? Anything like that? Uh, A a thousand percent. I mean, look at what just happened with Bored Ape, you know, Bored Ape sold their things. They're, they're sort of the, the bastions of giving ownership rights to the community, which, which I think is amazing. It, it sort of set the trend. Um, that's, I mean, that's my own personal opinion, CCO or not. Um, I do think there's value there as well. The issue is, you know, Board Ape is now a billion dollar industry. You start, you start to see with the land sale, hey, they added KYC, right? To sort of limit their own liability. But once again, a lot of it is sort of superficial and sleight of hand. Like, what is the point of utilizing KYC if I KYC buy a land and then on OpenSea, I can just sell my asset to someone who's not KYC'd? The whole thing is, is effectively moot. And now the SEC is going after them. So this is, you know, this happened in the ICO space where people are like, oh, no, there's nothing to worry about. It's, you know, th- these aren't securities and stuff starts to get regulated. It, it, it causes a lot of choppiness in the short term, but... If you have the right infrastructure, eventually you can support large scale you know, institutional growth, which ends up being valuable for you, you know, everyday people. You just said that the SEC is going after them. Going after who? They're going after Yuga. Really? Yeah. There's uh, the whole ApeCoin class action lawsuit. Uh, I think that happened like, like this week or last week. Wow. Um, I, com- I completely missed that. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, that's wait, wait, also but- a, lot, a lot of it's to do with the, the ApeCoin as well, um, which, you know, tokenomics does complicate things um and gives gives a more direct line of sight because i think the sec already has regulation around issuing currency that could be traded on exchanges for tangible economic value um but it's just 
I mean, fundamentally, like you don't need to be a lawyer. It's like, if I buy something, we agree to what I can do with my asset, you know, what I can or cannot do. And then if you change what I can or cannot do with my asset, that I should have to agree to that change. I, you know, like that's, that's sort of a fundamental. I agree with that. When it comes to property, um, wait, wait, whether wait. it's for, for, whether it's good for me or bad for me, I should have a say in my own property. Spencer, it sounds like you have something to add. Just a point of clarification, though, is that the lawsuit, the class action lawsuit is not from the SEC. Like those are separate points that potentially the SEC is going after you. But the the class action lawsuit is from a law firm, um, Scott and Scott. Yeah, Scott and Scott, a classic, well-known law firm. (laughs) Scott and Scott. That was not not intentional. Yeah, they're suing them because they said that Yuga was selling these tokens as securities with guaranteed returns but then the value of them decreased so they're upset about it yeah i mean mean, to be honest that lawsuit's kind of probably bullshit but uh, exactly that's what i was gonna say is like people are always like yeah yeah. uh kicks has his hand raised this is is america so that's sort of it's in our dna i guess for sure uh kicks you've had your hand raised is there something to add on the moonbird cco topic do we what what do you think about this you own a moonbird yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I think it's I think it's really interesting. I mean, um, it, it was either earlier in this week or late last week. Um, <clears throat> we had uh, A16Z um, that published a piece. I think it was flash wrecked in a uh, I don't remember their name. But it was a Harvard Business School professor um, talking about CCO and why um, CCO is going to be the future for NFTs. Of course, we also had X copy um cco all of their works um which is very interesting because you know there's people out there like cosmo uh Dimitri that uh uh spent seven million dollars on a, a piece of art that is now cco um so i mean i think we're definitely heading into uh you know the unknown and and exploring like a completely new thing with cco it could be disastrous it could be the true future of nfts i mean i think this is what happens when you get an nfts is that you you know you kind of know that you're on the frontier of innovation um i think for me as like a holder the you know surprising or maybe concerning thing for me is that um is that it seemed like it kind of came out of nowhere and almost could be looked at as a uh you know as like a quick knee-jerk reaction after like the a16 article and after what x copy did as opposed to it being kind of a strategic play in the in the overall like uh you know game plan um for moonbirds but yeah i i think it i I think it definitely opens up a a you know uh a, a really big you know interesting discussion me personally i never have ever intended to commercialize any of my um, any of my NFTs. I'm also not going to sue people that right click save my NFTs. So why would I care if I if I'm not going to sue people? Why would I care if I have the right to sue people? Because at the end of the day, that's what a copyright is: is the right to defend your ability to be the only one that has this. So if I'm not going to go through the hassle of suing people that want to right click save, then why do I really care anyways? Um, as a holder, I, I want to see, you know, what is the game plan for CCO and how does that like integrate into the um, Moonbirds ecosystem like going forward? Um, 
the uh, you know you're going to always get drama over these kinds of uh you know situations um you know pro against up down left right i mean uh for me i don't really care it doesn't impact whether i want to hold moonbirds or not like i'm holding moonbirds as a play on the whole ecosystem with ravens and high rise and all of these new things coming out so i'm still going to happily hold my uh, my asset and and personally i just i love moonbirds and and how they look i think that uh they're just they're just great as uh, a, a profile pick and that's the utility i'm trying to get out of it um in the short term um but yeah i mean a lot of the people that are hating on it are are people that um uh are are from the uh uh the number one mega corporation of nfts um and there's all sorts of things that you could uh say back to them but i'll you know i'll i'll take the higher ground okay got it uh quad you know go ahead and reminder to everybody today's show is sponsored by the haas brothers and specifically their multi-beast nft project retweet the tweet that's uh, pinned to the top and follow the haas brothers for a chance to win definitely one that you're going to want to be uh in the running for and we're going to be diving more into that project later in the show that tweet is pinned to the top uh nick you unmuted i was going to throw to quad but nick do you have something oh no my bad that may have been an accident okay yeah quad what's going on I just think the space needs to make up its damn mind. Uh, you know, punks get IP rights and they're like, oh, I didn't want IP rights. And then, you know, Xcopy gives away his CCO and everybody's like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing. Uh, a Web3 artist, you know, giving away CCO. This space just needs to make up its mind. People like to have opinions uh, one way or the other. But in my opinion, CCO is something that's going to play out over a long, long term period. And none of us know how it's going to play out. Right. Like you said earlier, this could be like Web3 innovating and completely changing how IP rights are done or this could fall flat on its face. So I, I think the biggest thing for me is it definitely is a liability for Moonbirds uh, that wasn't a liability before it was introduced. But I also didn't buy into moonbirds to think that i know what's best necessarily i trust the team so i'm just going to consider this uh hopefully a decision that will turn out well in the end um but for me right now i you know i was thinking of putting my moonbird on a on a coffee bag and i still have no problem putting my moonbird on a coffee bag and if somebody else wants to uh expand the brand of my moonbird by putting it on a coffee bag go for it you're, you're such an idiot, man, because, like, you own a Moonbird CCO. I could just right-click say that I own a Bored Ape uh, with the uh, okay. out of its face, and uh, it's down $320,000 over the last, like, 60 days, but I own the rights to it, you idiot, you jabroni. Okay. Um, also, like, my project, basically what we do is we get free airdrops, and then we all collectively pump it, and then we dump it on poor people that work at McDonald's. Okay. Uh, oh, and then that's how we buy more uh, apes. But, yeah, we got the right bro. <laughs> nice, I'm, I'm angry on behalf of all the Moonbird holders. I'm just letting y'all know, and uh, uh, this is just unacceptable. And all legitimacy you switch the terms like that by itself. It, do, it doesn't matter what you think about CCO, not CCO doesn't matter. You came to me with a deal and then I basically invested like imagine all the people spending 30,000 plus dollars on one of these things. And then you say, wait, hold up. 
Like, yeah, but, but then how many of those 30,000 uh, people are spending $30,000 because they're going to actually use it for rights? And also, secondarily, why didn't you have the same opinion when X copy did it three days ago? Because I don't have a huge X copy bag. I didn't spend $30,000 on an X copy. The X copy collect, and also to me, that's slightly different as a work of art. But regardless, there's 10,000 of these, and however many. Um, collectors, I don't know, five, six point six thousand that just had the terms of, of the game changed on them all of a sudden. And, and that was made internally without like the community having a conversation, a debate, anything else like that. Instead, just Kevin said, this is what's best for the community. He has the terms. He feels that he's uh, that, that it's OK to make that decision. Uh, and, and I'm just saying. It, when Facebook used to make any modification to the terms, there was like an uprising. If something changed, suddenly information was displayed, whatever it was, it was a huge deal. But no one even had skin in the game when it came to like investment. Now people have $30,000. Well, now it's now $25,000. <laughs> but um, in terms of, uh, you know, $30,000 assets that they're holding on to where the terms of that thing just changed. If you're not pissed off about that, then you're smoking some damn crack because – I, I've never bought anything in my life where the person just was like, uh, okay, yeah, um, you, you know, the agreement of that house that you had that I just sold you, turns out that we've just taken it over and it's ours now. So well, uh, hold, hold on, uh, on the house thing though. How, how That's a terrible like comparison to use you buying a house from somebody, which you never intend to use I own. the IP rights of your house to, to compare well, to the Moonbirds. But, but, but I do. I, I completely like, agree with you on on the switching it up thing. I, I think you're 100 percent right on that. There should have been a discussion and there should have been I don't necessarily think a vote, but definitely like some talks. There should have been, you know, one of these parliaments where where, where they talk about it. But the thing about the change is you can still do everything you could have done before with your Moonbird. You can still do those exact same things. It's not taking away rights from the owners. It's expanding the rights for everybody else. Yeah, but it's also super ironic to be like, hey, changing the terms of things uh, is super bad. And uh, I'm, you know, uh, it, Moonbirds changing it is a terrible thing. Guess what, dude? I own Meme Bits. Guess who bought Meme Bits? Yuga Labs. Guess what Yuga Labs did two weeks ago? Out of the blue, they changed their terms and conditions to start charging a secondary fee. When I bought into Meme Bits, I bought in on the understanding that it was 0% secondary fees, just like punks. So the second that they did that, they literally took 5% of the value of all of my NFTs arbitrarily without asking me or anything yes. like that. And is everyone bitching about that? Yeah, no. people, people, uh, people did. And I agree that, that that also is messed up. The house isn't to say that the house is the equivalent of buying an NFT, although some NFTs are associated with uh, real estate, like two of them. But the uh, it, it's not to suggest that. It's just simply to say that in this case, if Facebook changes their terms, you're using it for free. You get off the thing, you delete your account, it's done. In, in the case of Moonbirds changing it, it's I bought a $30,000 asset. And and some people spent, someone bought the, the high end. I looked at uh, one of the rares yesterday, $450,000 on them. Did, did Kevin Rose have a conversation with the person that invested $450,000? Nick, you got to read the terms. The terms did, did, 
did X copy have uh, a conversation with Cosmo Demichi when he CCO'd his collection of X copies for fifteen million dollars? Right, hey, the real X quick, real quick. Every, everyone's getting hella passionate. Real quick, we are going to wrap up on Moonbirds. I want to hear from Ben. Ben's been patiently waiting, and I definitely want to just you know kind of tie the knot on this. Uh, I understand some people own Moonbirds and they're getting fired up, but uh, that's not on this show. We don't. We don't like you know. Uh, have biases based on stuff that we own. So let's wrap the conversation on Moonbirds. I'm going to throw to Ben right now. Yeah, kicks. Yeah, I ben. actually was going to uh, pivot the conversation anyway, but I'll say some closing thoughts on on the uh, the conversation. Um, I, I do agree with with Nick over Quad and, and kicks just in the fact that you know when we when we talk about people and this was Quad's point, but when we talk about you know the industry needing to make up its mind. I think, you know, we look at these projects and these companies um, uniquely and the the terms are different. The the uses are different. And when you have a, a profile picture as a social identity compared to, um, you know, art that's created. And then when one has terms and another doesn't, I think it's a little bit, you know, apples to oranges comparison. Um, I looked at the X copy website and, you know, nowhere on there do I see anything about terms and conditions on on how the the IP is being used, so I don't think it's uh, the same comparison to say that um, X copy declaring it CCO is a change from what it previously was. Just because they're when when you're buying it, you're not agreeing to any of those kind of terms. Yeah, um, and, and Easy has what has been trying to call something out about the terms. Go ahead and discuss the terms. Yeah, we are going to move on from Moonbirds in a minute. Call, real quick, I understand the frustration on the terms. It does openly say we reserve the right at our sole discretion to change or modify portions of these terms at any times. If we do this, we'll post the changes on the page and indicate at the top of the page the date that these terms were last revised. So if you don't read that, none of us read it, but clearly they outline this. It's still not legal. Yeah, it is. If you because guess what the uh, Ferrari when you buy a Ferrari, guess what you sign terms and conditions, and guess what the Ferrari Group says. Ferrari Group may modify or terminate these terms and conditions of use at any time, and may do so immediately without cause or notice. That's literally a luxury car that they can roll up to your house and take away from you if you do not oblige the terms and conditions of Ferrari. Yeah, but in you one of you're actually signing something in the in the former model. You're not actually signing the terms and conditions. Buying an NFT is not acquiescence of the actual contract associated to it. Even if you hit the checkbox that says I even if the you, terms and conditions? Yeah, even, there's no proof. A MetaMask signature is a hash associated to a blockchain transaction. Where's the proof? So then if there's no signature, then how? The contract? But if there's no signature, how do you have a claim that they've changed something that you've signed? How do you sue well, that's them? that's the whole point. I'm saying this is the whole point is that there's, it works both ways. It's just, it's just chaos. It's pure chaos right now. Yeah, yes. it, so it sounds like Nick. Yeah, okay. So we're going to move on from Moonbirds. For what it's worth, I think that Moonbirds, this is realistically a buy the dip opportunity. Every single time in the history of Moonbirds that they've pulled back, they've come back with a vengeance. So I don't think anybody that owns Moonbirds needs to be too upset about this. If anything, this would be a great opportunity to double down, average down on your bet. Because if I know anything about Moonbirds, People hate selling Moonbirds. So this is actually like a literal golden opportunity. If I wasn't running this show, I really would be seriously, you know, considering converting 25,000 bucks of ETH into a Moonbird. And that might happen later today, legit. Uh, Nick, I don't know if there was anything you want to add on this before we kind of move on. Uh, 
Well, two things. One, the, uh, yeah, you should do it. Two, um, <laughs> when it comes to, I, I my only thing is, I, I mean, I already articulated the position, which is that they changed it, and and I have commenters that are saying like, yeah, but you didn't read the terms. I don't give a shit about that. If I wrote an agreement, there's there, every agreement has stuff that's unenforceable in it. Like that's just the job of like. The, the, whoever writes the terms to make it as aggressive in the favor of the person who created the terms. And, and so that's just the way that it works in this specific scenario. You gotta, you gotta leave it to a court of law, but everyone just pointing it and suddenly we're all lawyers uh, or, and also suddenly people that are going to enforce the IP of our own NFT is absolutely ludicrous. It will play out at some point in time and there will be a lawsuit inevitably around this. And it will be very interesting to see what the outcome of that actually is but there's no doubt like somebody, it, someone who's holding a, has a large amount invested who feels that it's a notable and worthwhile endeavor to actually sue them. And typically in those cases, it doesn't even play out in court. There's usually a settlement and that's how the whole thing goes down. But I, I'm just saying it, it, it'll be very interesting um, to see what happens here. Uh, and, and that's about it. All righty. On the Morning Moonbird Show. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Over to Ben. Uh, and reminder, everybody, to retweet the tweet that's pinned at the top and follow the Haas Brothers for the multi-beast NFT project powered by Remaster uh, that we are sponsored by today. We'll be diving into that project later in the show. You will have a chance to win a giveaway of one of the NFTs from that collection at the end of the show if you follow and retweet and you stick around for the show. Ben, you had a subject to pivot to. What's going on? Yeah, P.O., I, I saw one of the um, an article about one of the most interesting things I've seen in crypto in a while, uh, among all the ridiculousness that we've seen happening over the past few years. But uh, this one is specifically surrounding uh, Solana. And there there was a, a single person who was masquerading as 11 different developers, um, and he created his own protocol on Solana blockchain and actually accounted for at one point close to 70% of the total value locked within his protocol that was he was actually counting dollars on top of each other stacking protocols and so um part of the total value locked of Solana that he says was super inflated because of this was actually double counted and this person was um he created his his own uh like organization of anonymous accounts pretending to all be working together with each other, putting in billions of dollars into this protocol um, known as Sabre. And the the name of the person was uh, Ian Makalinao, the chief architect of Sabre, uh, a stable coin exchange built on top of Solana. And, and I'd be happy to, to let Easy take the mic over. I just wanted to bring up the story, which is pretty wild and um, looks looks to be part of uh, what, you know, might have inflated uh, Solana's value last year. Easy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I did. This came out yesterday. The same individual was linked to Casio and the hack there. They've also been tied to FTM's inflated valuation. So Phantom, another cryptocurrency last year. And it looks like the same team is currently developing dApps for Aptos, which is supposed to be the Facebook chain. So it seems like this team is doing this frequently. It wouldn't surprise me because we did see like an 80 to 85 percent run up in November itself on Seoul, which was insane. The other thing, though, that this did lead to was a variety of new dApps that came into the play. So when people saw that volume, yes, the price was inflated, but it seems like this same team has done this four or five times now. I've never been bullish on Sabre because there's been some sketchy things behind that for a while now. 
But I think the big kind of like catalyst there was obviously the fact it got up to $260 and is now down like 80% from the peak. I'm more curious what this means for other upcoming chains because Aptos having 12.5 million private funding round is a, a huge kind of backing for a net new token that's not even live yet. And it seems like they're going to be the first developers on that. So I looked at it from like the sole perspective and obviously it sucks because now that like that TLV that was locked caused that inflation. The benefit on the other side and glass half full approach here is that it still led to a variety of new developers to come into the space. But now my like thinking is like, how did this slip through the cracks for six, seven months? And what's kind of like the bounce back from it? Cause Sabre did get a lot of traction following this, but it's also like, where did these funds kind of circulate from? And, Clearly, they're out of the ecosystem now. So it was it was kind of a big blow, but I think part of it's being overlooked, and the other part of it is it's kind of being like a little bit aggressive as far as how much this actually had a uh, an impact on Solana. Yeah, I mean, uh, early NFTs, early blockchain right now, there's just so much of this. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I don't know if people really like fully grasp it, but yeah, a lot of people just are obsessed with figuring out ways to scam. Uh, so I can't say that I'm terribly surprised that that was a thing. It doesn't have like a long-term material impact on the Solana blockchain. Uh, Nick, you unmuted. I don't know if there was something you wanted to add. I know you want to switch the subject too. No, I'm just curious, uh, like what the implications of that are at this point in time. Like the numbers, are those numbers being utilized for anything like currently? No. No, so the big thing that it was just used for was that the fact that they had a lot more volume and it seemed like an increase of volume day over day into the Solana ecosystem in November. So it looked like there was hyper growth from specifically Sabre being that, that protocol and stablecoin exchange. I almost think it's like how you get activity on a layer one blockchain, it has to be one of the most challenging, running a layer one blockchain, launching it, developing it, getting funding for it, uh, releasing it, getting people to buy the token, all these other things, it has to be one of the single greatest, most challenging businesses to operate, whether or not it's centralized or decentralized. I mean, to a certain degree, the business is centralized. The platform itself is decentralized, but the whole objective is to convince people to use that platform. I'm, I don't want to justify making up numbers, but it has to be one, like building momentum has to be one of the single greatest things ever because there's a ton of blockchains or there are a lot of blockchains that um, obviously would love that to happen. And it seems to be something where it's sort of like, the, the real question is, is, is there any way, like in what ways can you actually uh, manufacture um, that sort of activity. And we've seen Binance do it because they have one of the uh, world's largest uh, crypto exchanges. If not, are they the largest crypto exchange? I don't even know. They may they may be just because of their uh, finances. Yeah, position in China. So yeah, so you have uh, with the largest crypto exchange having launching their own blockchain. That to me makes a ton of sense. You have essentially FTX backing Solana to a certain degree. It's hard to say that FTX is is backing it in the same same way that Binance is. It doesn't feel like it doesn't have the same feeling. Binance like heavily pumped their uh, token through their actual interface, um, and I don't know that FTX is doing the exact same thing. And there may be uh, legal implications of doing that. But yeah, I mean, those sorts of things. The, the only problem is when it convinces you, like if it had convinced you to invest in a DeFi platform on Solana because it misrepresents it, that's where it gets super hairy. Um, but if it gets you to invest or participate in a blockchain itself 
that uh, that would make me um, less concerned. But yeah, investors definitely allocated their money, and that that's never a good thing. Um, I also think it just implies you got to get your data in this space from multiple sources uh, if you're going to you know move any significant sum of capital anywhere. Yeah, I mean all that stuff. You know, this stuff gets pretty intricate when you think about it. Nick, you wanted to discuss you what, and me. I want to get flamed. So yeah, you're, what, you're going to get what, flamed. Pio's been de- texting me saying I, I'm get, we're going to get absolutely attacked for even bringing this up <laughs> because it's going to be viewed as like pumping your bags. But the reason that I decided I want to articulate this is not because of that. I don't know that I'm basically flat on this. It pumped a little bit actually when we had uh, bought this NFT yesterday. And so it's not even a surprise because you got the notification of it if you have like Ninja Alerts or any other sort of wallet monitoring surface, uh, service. So, um, but I just thought it was interesting because uh, we were discussing more just like uh, having conversations about like the thesis behind buying or not buying something in this space. And that was the thing that I thought was fascinating yesterday when we hopped on the call with Node was we were like debating whether or not to buy this NFT. And so this was more just holistically. I know a lot of people are saying like, well, what should I go um, buy? I'm not saying to buy this. I just think it was like interesting to see the logic behind it. Um, and so that's why I thought it was useful to discuss, um, and, and discuss what I'm saying, uh, discussing is potatoes in particular, which kicks, what did you get your, your potatoes at? Cause don't you own some? I got them at, uh, 0.64. Damn. Um, how many did you I, get? I only bought two. And are you still holding? No, I sold them around like 1.4, 1.5. Okay. So I'm, so theoretically I could be buying the top here. And there's a very uh, non-zero. There's a non-zero chance that I am. Uh, so just goes to show, um, I, it, it's hard to argue just pumping the bags here. But uh, I thought it'd be interesting to bring up just because of the rationale that I used at that point. The fact that you already sold uh, is concerning to me, um, and now it introduces some fear in my position. But yesterday, I called uh, Pio and was like. Yo, do you have any potatoes? I'm thinking of just aping in. Why shouldn't I? And uh, we called up Node as well. And Node was like, no, nah, I didn't even consider this at all, basically. <laughs> and, and actually, as Node was speaking, I was like, sort of like stepping back away from the ledge and being like, okay, maybe I don't buy this. Like, I'm not sure what to do here. But I thought it'd be useful just to share the rationale that, that uh, I used and do with it what you will, which was, we looked at this thing. Potatoes is this like essentially meme project and it's created by 9gag. And when a lot of people were saying, have you seen the advisors? And I'm like, yeah, it's their investment. Uh, it's their investors who also invested in their competitor, Giphy. 9gag was basically a competitor to Giphy. Call it what some people are going to say. No, it wasn't. Uh, but essentially like they have a Reddit of memes sort of thing. Uh, and, you, and you can um, post your own try to get it upvoted and the hope is is that you can sort of drive some virality behind it the business is i don't know if i'd call it a zombie company at this point but for the investors in it they might as well uh call it that and the ceo behind this team or behind this company was like has been diving super deep down the web3 rabbit hole and my thought when i bought it was like i think this team could actually get this to like three eth or four eth or something like that and the only reason uh, that I thought that was 
not because of the investors who are uh, behind it. Naval Ravikant was one. You had Kevin Rose who's in it. But I think it was also like that could have just come from they could have been like Y Combinator or something like that and attracted a bunch of those investors who invest in consumer apps. Uh, I think it was more interesting because I'm like, this is a team that has resources. We don't see, um, we see a lot in the NFT space, a bunch of rugs, just left and right teams that have no experience, aren't investing in the development, like ongoing development of it make a couple million dollars and then just leave. And then we see uh, the ones that are building, you have, um, Yuga Labs is the only example where I don't think they were like deep in the web, two, like they weren't like a web two Silicon Valley sort of thing. But Moonbirds clearly is one example of that. And I think Potatoes is, and so was Goblin Town, frankly. Um, AJT's like, you know, networked in that space. Now, do I agree with the, like how they've approached it strategically? No. Uh, because they've inflated their tokens. Moonbirds has done the exact same thing with uh, with Proof. And flame me all you want for that. I, I just don't agree with that structurally. It's only worked out for Yuga Labs. And right now, technically, has mostly worked for Moonbirds. But time will tell. Um, I, I, I think it's worth making... Basically, I was like, I think it's worth making a bet just on the fact that I believe that these people are going to do a cool reveal they're going to have like a roadmap that they execute on. And I'm willing to, like, if there's any uh, bet, as Node was saying, I was like, well, every, he was saying, what is it? Every two to three months, you know, an opportunity comes around. This is definitely a flyer. I have no idea whether or not like this is, like they're going to be able to pull off my, my, uh, my thesis here. But that was just kind of how I thought about it was like, hey, we have a team with like, deep experience that has built existing product, has a live product that's operating, has a team that's running that business, is focused on software, and has a design team as well. I, I, it just feels like they're properly positioned. And there's like a few different approaches that you could do. You could like go buy, um, like I, I briefly brought it up the other day, you could buy a um, like a dead project that has cool art. That to me is one interesting potential path, but you're not going to get the talent behind it. Or you could go and raise funding from investors. You already have a team that's building software and, uh, and they're going to, uh, they're going to go and, you, you know, build this. You're an agency, for example, and you go and build it. The other group that I see is like um, zombie startups that have incredible, uh, incredibly talented and experienced teams behind it operating in the space and that's the category that this falls into for me um so anyways that was the thesis that i had what's the I just case thought, against it what what could like what makes it they I mean, just don't do anything is that the case against it um i don't know if they'll do nothing i don't believe that that's going to happen the case against it is that just the market there's two things one the market says like hey that this thing is going like the crypto market implodes inflation reads some insanely high ticker that's why um someone in our discord if you're in the um Coin Traders channel. There's few people in there, but it's where I actually like to operate the most because a lot of people post uh, some of their sort of like theses behind why, why or why not they're making a trade. And someone said in there, "Hey, um, the uh, that basically the reason that the market dropped was because well, this means that the the economy is hotter than expected, and so clearly the Fed is going to feel comfortable raising rates." Uh, even more, which is typically generally a drag on the overall market. It, I, I don't know if I like what the long-term bet is on it, but if crypto crashes, 
NFTs are going to have a hard time and they already have been having a hard time. So I think you have the macro side of this NFT market. And then the other thing going against it basically is that, I mean, let's be honest, these are uh, uh, like leaves coming out of a pile of poop. That's literally what I just bought. And so if you're looking at that, you have to be thinking like you're betting on them pulling off a meme. And most people, despite the fact that 9gag has a ton, uh, a ton of visitors and activity and they're, they're a website that exists, most people don't know about it, but they know about Giphy. And so you could say, well, this team has failed once at you know bringing it to the masses. We don't use 9gag today. They're just going to fail again at that. So that would be another counter position to this. This team's not going to pull it off. My, the reason that, I, that I'm uh, bullish, though, is that there's so few teams in this space um, and in this market at this point in time that are successfully executing that I, I do believe that the market will reward it, but that's the, that's the bullish side of it. But yeah, I mean, there's a very strong chance and we're, we've seen it with Goblin Town, right? The price, I remember I bought Goblin Town at $11,000. I think I, I exited at the exact same price. Like I ended up getting out at the price that I got in. Um, and and it's it's capitulated heavily since then, right? Uh, the price is closer to like a few thousand dollars, maybe three thousand right now um, is is what they're going for. So we've seen in what is that eighty uh, percent pullback, seventy percent pullback um, in the floor price of Goblin Town, and it's unsurprising. And they're adding supply as their floor is dropping, which to me is like why why like why would you do that? Um, it just doesn't make sense. And you're new. You have to come up with ways, and this is something that we're discussing internally, you have to come up with a way where you don't inflate the supply, but you continue to build relevance in the market. That's the challenge for people to do. So I don't know. I mean, the, the other bearish thing for this is that it's so early and the price is, relatively speaking, in the NFT market very high right now. We've seen very few projects be able to maintain a one-eighth floor. But I'm just seeing it and I'm saying, there's nothing else in this in the market right now that's being able to like um, maintain that sort of traction, go over the one ETH floor. Not even Ledger, which is you could be saying, well, maybe Ledger is the one that you buy and you don't buy the um, potatoes, but they're promising something completely different. So, anyways, I just thought it would be useful to sort of like share that logic, not because I'm saying, hey, go buy the potatoes right now, um, but I just thought it'd be useful to share some of the rationale uh, that we're using, and I I was personally fascinated just as to observe us hop on that call yesterday. So I thought it'd be interesting to share some of the behind the scenes of kind of how, how uh, we're thinking about it. Well, things that you pointed out, you brought up the Ledger NFT. There was basically a bottom on Ledger on the 31st and the 1st. So in the past five, six days, you saw a day where the low was 82 total sales and then 96 total sales and then 197 total sales. So three days, sub 100 sales, uh, for context, if people don't know, that's still a ton of sales, especially at a like point, the average price was 0.475. So that's 46 Ethereum of volume. So Ledger really hasn't slowed down. And then you had 175 sale day and then 315. And then on, today, we're already at 153 sales on it. So this is something to look at. I don't have any exposure to this, but it's at 0.75 ETH floor now. So when people were saying that uh, Ledger was following a similar trajectory, trajectory to premint, 
I would say it is, uh, you know, in this bear market. There's still 76% unique ownership. There's a ton of volume, already 3,400 ETH total volume uh, against 0.75 floor price right now. And I know that we don't want to, you know, uh, look at the listing count as too deep of an indicator. Uh, NFT God, shout out to NFT God that did a mastermind in our Discord yesterday you know, made a great case why he thinks that uh, listing count is the most overrated metric in the NFT space. And in the context that he was discussing it, I agree with him. He was discussing it in the context of if I look at a project that's been out for like a really long time that has average to below average volume, I think a, a, an example would have been the Look Labs project that historically on the game keys specifically, they had really low listing counts, but there wasn't like this crazy volume, right? So I think that was more of a staking mechanic, right? Because yeah, exactly. Ended- I was going to say, yeah, that's a staking mechanic. You should never factor that in when you're looking at like a staking mechanic or like a nesting mechanic. And I yeah, do overall so- agree. It's not the best metric to go off of. Off of. Volume is always more important than listings. Um, but yeah. Right. But when you have Ledger with crazy volume, well, not cr- good volume. I don't want to call it crazy volume, but it's it's good volume. I mean, today there's over 100 ETH of volume. There's 153 sales and the day isn't booked yet. And you have 76% unique ownership and a 0.75 ETH floor price. And you go to activity and the last sale, the last three sales were 13 minutes ago, 16 minutes ago, 17 minutes ago. When there's a low listing count on that, that floor is just getting chewed on by the market. So, so I, Nick, did you want to add to that? And then- somebody said that um, in the Discord that th- this is the next gossip. Gossamer Seeds, but was Gossamer Seeds run by like a legit uh, organization? It was run by a legit organization from outside the NFT yeah. space that had a lot of accolades. And I know Kix knows about this one. But yeah, had but what are of, they yeah. like comparing anything to Gossamer Seeds is not good for whatever it's getting compared to. Oh, no, I, right. I, I completely understand. That's why that was I think it's apples and oranges. I think you actually have to compare it to Premint, but Ledger is even more important than Premint in the space. However, I know that the use case, the actual material use case for the project is not as strong, it, or at least that's the sentiment a lot of people have. Go ahead. If, if you're going to do the research on this or, or you're even considering it, so someone in the Discord, I didn't know what the guy's Twitter was. It turned out I was following him, but 9gag CEO is his Twitter account. Take a look at him because he keeps posting about this stuff, both stuff that hypes it, but also um, it just provides perspective on the person who's sort of running it. That, that to me is sort of the indicator of um, whether or not, you know, you, you think it's uh, worth investing in and whether or not he's going to switch this whole thing to C- CCO without giving you notice and ruin your bags. Just saying. So, uh, yeah, just take a look at that. Um, not saying that that's happened before. Oh, wait, I guess that just did happen. Huh? <laughs> uh, we're going to we're gonna dive into our sponsorship in just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you retweet the tweet that's pinned to it, the top and follow the Haas Brothers. Today's sponsorship uh, is the Haas Brothers NFT multi-beast that's powered by remaster.io. Really excited to dive into it. Uh, you're definitely going to want to you know, be in the running to win this one, which we'll give away at the end. Uh, you know, Stick around for the, the end of the show. Jesse, you had raised your hands. Any closing? thoughts on what we were talking about no i just wanted to add to the legal news that i am uh, i filed yesterday my lawsuit against OpenSea <laughs> regarding i really did uh small claims court in ann arbor michigan no he actually did pia why, why are you laughing well uh, i'm laughing because i'm just like you're, you're really fighting city hall here Jesse. fighting the good fight power to the people we're sick and tired of being sick and tired say it loud I'm, oh wait that one doesn't work but um 
but yeah, uh, we're, I'm going to test their policy, see how they respond. And if it works, uh, you know, then I'll, I'll might like redistribute so that we can, uh, everybody can file it on their own and, and take this policy down by death by <laughs> 10,000 cuts. We'll see. Uh, a, a, a little self-promotion of a lawsuit against, uh, open Didn't see that one coming, Jesse. Yeah, well, I just it's a segue to the, you know, I see we got, you know, remaster here and there, the legal infrastructure for Web3. So, you know, we'll, uh, <laughs> kick it back to the sponsor. Well, there you go. Well, I want we're, we're going to dive into the sponsor right now. So multi-piece NFT by the Haas brothers. Uh, you know, I, I would give my perspective, but I'd rather hear directly from them because I think everyone should know, uh, you know, the Haas brothers background, how this project came about. And then, you know, we've been discussing this week, you know, the traditional art world in NFTs and when you first saw NFTs go mainstream, you saw the $69 million Beeple sale at Christie's or, or Sotheby's, one of the, the big auction houses. I think a lot of people like CNBC would always report NFTs as digital art. You'd see the headlines of digital art selling for so much money. It's like digital art. Is it a real investment class, right? So we kind of started with the fine art world being in NFTs and these kind of really big valuations on art projects. But then you saw a shift into collectibles. And what we've been talking about over the last week or two is the potential, you know, long-term shift back to the traditional art world adopting NFTs um, and and us returning to that kind of perspective in the market. Um, so I want to throw to to Nikki Haas and and you know to discuss this project. And we're all obviously going to hear from Max from Remaster as well. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to hear you guys introduce yourselves. You know, take it away, gentlemen. Uh, rugged? No, okay. Hey, Max? No, I'm, not, I'm, I'm here. I, I don't know where Nikki is. Um, look, you guys sort of heard uh, heard my kind of spiel um, before, but I might as well jump in until I guess Nikki. Yeah, uh, very insightful too, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh, Hi, guys. Yeah, I'm here. I don't. I, my phone was just frozen. I don't really know why, but I don't mean to take over, Max. You can hop in anyway, man. No, well, I'll just give I'll just give everyone a quick update because they've heard enough from me, and we can you know jump back into some of the legal implications. But anyway, I'm uh, Max, CEO, co-founder of Remaster. We're building legal infrastructure for Web three, uh, trying to decentralize terms and conditions for this new trustless economy that we're all sort of gearing towards. And uh, we've been fortunate enough to partner with the Haas brothers to protect their IP, but also engage in the web3 ethos of empowering the community with this new infrastructure so there's no you know you don't need to sacrifice um if you want to actually empower the community by giving away certain permissions and, and ip rights um so i'll kind of i'll, I'll kind of hint it there and i'll let nikki jump in yeah. to, to really sort of talk about the project no, not at all. And I love today's discussion because really it's like, I, I mean, the way that I sort of see every way everyone's talking today is, is that we're exploring Web3 together, right? Like when I first heard this concept of Web3, what it was supposed to be, this alternative economy, how it's supposed to be a two-way street, right? That you've got the originators, you have the holders, you have money fluidly moving both directions, you have IP moving fluidly both directions, I think like when we met up with, you know, Max, I don't know, a little over a year and a half ago to start talking about creating this project, um, you know, I, I think that we were just really excited about this idea of alternative economy and what Web3 is really supposed to be. So in our practice, traditionally, um, we 
love to create alternative economies. So, for instance, we've got this group of women in uh, in South Africa that we work with, where um, you know they live in uh, townships outside of Cape Town, and they're they're bead artists. And we created this system where they get a you know twenty percent cut off of the final sale of our artwork, which is you know monumentally large amount of money compared to what would usually happen in South Africa. And we were already really interested in using economy as an expression of artwork. So, um, you know, we, uh, when Web3 sort of came up as a possibility, we were like, oh shit, this is, this is, this is a, a palpably interesting way to start to empower the people that interact with us. So, um, you know, we started talking to Max about, uh, about how we could integrate the, the holder into our practice. So we came up with this idea of a personality test. I'm a huge fan of PFP art and also the idea that somebody can adopt, take on, like assimilate a, a PFP and, and make it their own and own it and have it and uh, become such a part of it and have it become such a part of them. But we were like, hey, what if, what if, what if, you know, our holders are actually helping us create the artwork? So we have this personality test. It's, you know, could it's got some Myers-Briggs sort of aspects to it, but really it's like a visual journey. It's kind of like a video art piece. You move through it, you get asked some pretty fucking weird questions, and we reflect you back as a beast. So basically, we're trying to show you what you would look like if you were in another reality in the multiverse. Um, so off the bat, there's 130 trillion possibilities. We're minting about a millionth of them 8888 so our our audience is dictating the rarity structure and they're dictating their personal nft so we really wanted to draw our users into what it was that we were doing um and we were fucking stoked about that like the whole idea about web3 is to have it go both directions um then after that you know uh you get you know ip rights in fully enactable contracts and maybe that's where i bring you in max that you can start to explain it but the idea is that that you know we're actively going out trying to land projects that will filter down into the community so max maybe you want to talk about that and then like the yeah the, yeah i mean first and foremost like cco you know non-cco to board ape or not to board ape like the infrastructure is, is there to support whatever the initial intent of the creator is. And, you know, I, I don't know, I, I'm not going to claim to know what the future of the space is. Like, is there a fundamental paradigm shift where everything becomes CCO? Maybe no idea. All I'm saying is infrastructure needs to be there to actually support what the initial intent of the agreement is. So people are not bifurcating, you know, whatever these contracts, legal contracts, not smart contracts are. So what we're doing effectively is turning these legal contracts into protocols, um, which directly are linked to the actual NFTs. So the NFTs are interacted with in a trustless mechanism based on the initial terms and condition. So why that's exciting for us is because commercial rights, you know, IP rights and the potential to do stuff with your asset are defined in these terms and conditions. And I forget who was, you know, said it earlier, but yeah, most people don't really have the wherewithal to exercise these commercial rights in a meaningful way. So we were pondering with this idea, like, is there a way to 
empower the community by allowing large brands to interact and communicate uh, and directly uh, provide royalty streams directly to the community. Because basically, if you're not, you know, if you're not famous, how are you going to execute your IP rights use? You know what I mean? Like, how are you supposed to pull your IP into the public eye and then actually create a project that's going to generate money? It's nearly impossible. Yeah. And it's like fairly, it's like a fairly useless, you know, throw. Like, what's the point, really? And so, you know, like our studio practice, we've, you know, we've worked with Rihanna. We've worked with Lady Gaga. We've worked with Harry Styles, Leo DiCaprio all these different people, Barney's, Versace, and we're very good at, you know, achieving IP rights use for the work that we create. So basically on this open market, what what Remaster is doing is that we'll have a marketplace where we could land a, you know, an IP rights use contract for, say, a toy or a cartoon or a clothing line. Then 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 the the holder would opt in. And I think that was really important that there was like transparency that you're like choosing. We're not just throwing something at you and like, oh, now it's this way and just like get used to it. You have a viewable online enactable contract that you can take to a real world court and that you can that you can, you know, uh, that, that you can stake your, your rights inside of that contract. So what's really cool is that once you achieve that contract, you have your NFT and you also have your contract. And either of them can be for sale up on the open market. You could sell your NFT and you could still retain your contract for whatever IP use we've landed that you've opted into. And then you can also retain your, your, your you know, you could sell the contract and retain your NFT. So let's say like you get some, you know, you opt into a, a toy making contract with us and you're like, okay, I have like 10, 15, 20% royalty on the sale of this toy in perpetuity. Like, I'm going to throw that contract up and try to just cash out now. Like, I'm just going to put it up on the space for whatever amount you want, 150K. Let's see if it sells. And then you still get to hold your NFT. So it's like, I just think it's fascinating because we really wanted to push into this idea of, you know, two way, you know, like, like a road that goes both directions with the economy. And, you know, beyond that, the, the, the NFT itself, like the PFP, the, the art, um, my brother and I have worked in digital for, I mean, I don't know, 15 years. That's how we make large scale sculpture. We build it in blender first. We, we make it perfect. We animate it sometimes, you know, like we work with animation studios and stuff as well. Uh, and so your, your, your NFT is not just a visual, but an actual 3d file as well. Right. So like that file exists that created your, your NFT. So once you take the personality test, you know, like, uh, um, uh, we, you know, have the data and it takes us about a week, um, to put it through blender. You know, we've got like lights that we have to set in place. There's different materials on the actual beast. So before you get it, we have to build it specifically and render it and deliver it to you. So it's like this very customized project where we really pull the person into it. Um, we've been running beta tests so far. I don't know, Pio, you want to take the beta? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I was talking to DDoc about it. Of course I'm going to take the beta. I'm, I'm, yeah. just, I'm genuinely excited about the project. Uh, yeah. you know, I, once, once we knew that you guys were going to sponsor us, I did like yeah. a deep dive into your backgrounds. And it, it just it, it's great timing because of what we've talked about 
regarding the traditional art world, I know you guys are very prolific in the traditional yeah. art world. So the transition to NFTs is really exciting. And, and your attitude about it is what also got me really excited because I, I do think sometimes there's a disconnect uh, when people yeah. make that make that leap. But it seems to me from everything I've heard from you guys today, from our call before, that you guys really understand it. So that's, that's why I'm jazzed up. I mean, honestly, I was like when Web3 sort of entered my, you know, my 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 brain space, I was like, oh, fuck, let's go, man. This is perfect. This is the alternative economy that we've been trying to pull in. And then, you know, I was just watching all these NFT projects roll out. And it's like, dude, we've been wanting to release this for such a long time because we've been working on it forever. But we just wanted it to be right, you know, and I'm going like, well, shit, they gave IP rights use. We were going to do that. But they don't have like a contract around it. It's not protected. It's not enactable. People can't actually use that IP. Like, what are they supposed to do with that? Anyway, I'm sorry, Nick, you got your hand raised. I'm just like talking, but. Um, I was just wondering about this sort of like creation process. So it sounds like it's interactive in terms of the consumer themselves can, uh, you know, create uh, the output that they have. I'm not, there's only been a few that have uh, done something similar the one, mm -hmm. one that, that we internally were discussing the other day was Indifferent Ducks, which like went on this yeah. wild tear um, before the team just was like, yeah, we, we feel too much pressure uh, to deliver anything. <laughs> Typical and, and NFT literally, stuff. <laughs> literally just left. It's just it's, it's not good for our mental health to continue running this business. So we're, so we're just going to take the money and run. Oh, um, shit. But, Classic. <laughs> but but, but um, I'm wondering, uh, so they now can afford a lot of therapy. But I'm wondering um, from your standpoint, like, how are you thinking about that aspect? Like, is is it basically uh, random rarity? Is is that how it works? And then also, you all are known for your sort of physical sculptures. How does yeah. that how does that play into this uh, these NFTs? Well, I mean, the way that we're making the, the the NFTs in the first place is is you know is at well, sorry, I'm gonna answer your first question first. Was like rarity? Is it random? Well, it's it's up to it's up to the holders. You guys choose depending on the way that that you 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 answer the questions is going to dictate the rarity of the entire collection and for us it was really important to sort of like i, I we don't want to engineer this it, you know i think that all of web3 is sort of an experiment and we wanted to do that in the you know we wanted to do we wanted to do our project in the spirit of that to pull people in and again just to make it like fully interactive and then in terms of yeah 3d sculpture like an actual actual sculptures irl we're yeah we're 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 well known for that. You know, we're collected by the Metropolitan Museum of Art, LACMA. You know, we have a show at the Nasher later this year. I don't know if I'm speaking Greek, but like big museums that we're super stoked on. And um, and we have a unique ability to create, uh, you know, produce actual 3D works. And uh, I think for sure, in our minds, that's something that we want to push into in the future. So I can't talk too much about it because it would be considered a security, but like, like absolutely with this collection, we a hundred percent plan on, on, on making 3d work. Um, it's, it's really like, I mean, that's why remasters here. It's why we have IP use rights contracts in place. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that could go from it being say, I don't know, we're like, yo, let's do a multi-B show at a museum and then take it to Art Basel afterwards and try it, you know, and sell sell each individual sculpture. So if we were to do something like that, like let's just say, like if we're if we're playing around with the idea, we would we would reach out to our community and then they would opt in, we would sign a contract together, we would decide on a on an IP use 
uh, like a, a on a royalty structure, uh, we would sign the contract together that's viewable online on you know, ends up on chain, and that <clears throat> then we would produce these these works, and then it could go to completely to the other end where it's like, what if we made you know toys? Same thing. We would reach out to our community. People would opt in. It's almost like they're it's almost like they're going to an audition. They own this little piece of themselves that's now out there in the world. We're saying it's like turning everybody into stage moms all of a sudden, you know, because yeah, so they've got this thing that they can use. So just to touch on Nikki, you mentioned, you know, web three is sort of an experiment and like the concept right now is, is the blockchain is immutable. And how do you evolve with the times by setting a lot of this stuff up in stone, you know, before the mint, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot of how the industry can sort of, or how your ecosystem can grow and evolve over time. So what we've done is, um, you know, built in composability to not just the smart contracts, but the legal contracts that determine the actual use of these digital assets. And the composability allows these things to evolve, you know, in a trustless mechanism over time by adding additional licenses, additional subcontracts associated to the main contracts, which can cause an entire ecosystem to just branch like a specific tree and have individual, you know, revenue royalty splits between all of those new parties. And it's, you know, sort of like Lego building blocks. Like you have individual pieces, you put them together and the thing takes a new shape and a new form. Um, well, and and all, everything all on chain. And that everything is is communicated with the community, like with the community, right? That they have to opt right, in. We can't, I mean, it's, it's trustless. So like we right. can't go around and change things. Uh, you know, that, that materially affect that relationship unless those specific token holders actually agree. So, so I guess it's... Yeah, you, Pia, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, you know, the funny thing is, is like where we're at in the NFT cycle, if you had mentioned those museums that your your traditional work had been featured in, if if this was like, you know, a year and a month ago, the whole market would be like, you know, this is the most bullish thing of all time. You know, it's, it's just funny yeah. how the how the cycles work. Just, you know, and, and reminder to everyone, retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top, follow, uh, you know, the Haas brothers. We're going to be giving away one multi-beast NFT that's powered by remaster.io. Uh, we're going to be drawing that in just a couple minutes so this is one of your last shots really your last shot to retweet and follow at the top and stick around for that drawing you know one thing i wanted to ask nikki is like with you still having such active involvement and being so deep in the traditional art world are you seeing a lot of curiosity you know when you tell people that you're going into nfts and like i would just love to know what the response has been like and, and how you could see everything kind of playing out from here now that you're making this entry you know, honestly, originally, I'd have to say, like, with our galleries, because we were talking about this, you know, probably pre Beeple sale, um, our galleries were not excited about it, you know, and, and it's because traditional art market is pretty conservative. And they have a very, you know, they have a very myopic outlook, they have a very like tunnel vision in the way that they view the world. And, uh, you know, our brother, my brother and I, we, you know, we grew up like construction workers. And then, you know, we ended up doing design and then we ended up doing high-end design and then we went from high-end design to art. So we were used to sort of working inside of venues that, that people don't consider art with a capital A, you know, once we got a couple museum shows under our belt, we were like, okay, like we can officially call ourselves artists. So we just never gave a shit about that. And when web three and NFTs became like a possibility, 
it just allowed so much room to use it to say something socially and to do something that felt important. And I think that's where, I think that's where we were just like, you know, fuck it. We're not going to listen to our galleries. We're going to dive into this. And now, you know, luckily, you know, it makes it easier. Yeah. The art world is super interested. And, and to be totally honest, they're super parallel to each other. I think that, that art, it, it, you know, if you if you engage in the art market originally, it, it's just it, it, at the beginning, it's like stuff that you like, you kind of look at it, you dig it, then they're sort of like collectible pieces, it's sort of like trading, you know, baseball cards or something, just like on a bigger scale and for more money. And then eventually, that person that's a collector moves into the zone of being like, wait, what is art? It, it's here to make a difference. It's supposed to change the world. And then they start to buy art that that's saying something about the world socially. And ultimately the art that becomes the most important long-term is the stuff that is the stuff that tries to, 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 to make social commentary. And I think that NFTs aren't going to be any different. It's the same exact thing. And it's already, it's already proved to be that. So, you know, you were touching on the market for a second. And of course, like we've been working on this project for a year and a half, like bear market hits. And like, originally we're like, fuck, like, God damn it. Really? Like right now. <laughs> and now, and now I'm, I'm actually stoked because I go, this thing gets to be a lot cheaper. We get to work on conversion. We can pull people into this web three space, which I think is, you know, is going to be fully ubiquitous at some point. And, and I go, this is an awesome opportunity because the community that we build around it are people that are going to be actually engaged and interested. And the blood of the project depends on our community to, to, to kick ass and we're going to push it. But it's like I, I, I'm 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 really happy about when we're entering because it's going to be you know I believe on a on a, on a bull upswing eventually and then I also believe that it's that it's that it's perfect timing because the entry point is going to be you know th this NFT is not going to be that expensive and we always wanted it to not be that expensive because it's gonna it, it's gonna draw people in so yeah is the art market interested in NFTs they are now but it's because of money. And I guess that the bear market uh, allows for it to be less about that, which is from an artistic standpoint, a beautiful thing. And then also like, you know, we get to ride this wave up again with everybody. And I'm really happy that we get to do that, if it makes sense. So, you know, I, I just say like, Pio, let's do the beta. I'm even tempted to say like, whoever wins this test, like let's do the beta with them too. I, you know, I would love to get somebody testing it get people's opinions draw them in as soon as we can and then like get fucking rolling man well hey it's up to you man uh you know i'm i'm excited to do it sorry go ahead no i i just let's do it bro <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready <laughs> now, now we're talking well so look everybody uh retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top follow the haas brothers this is for the multi-beast nft project that's powered by remaster.io today's sponsor uh and so i'm gonna be doing this draw in just a second i'm gonna ask nikki one more question just about the logistics of the drop and then we're doing the draw so so get ready uh ladies and gentlemen but nikki so where when can people get this you know what's the story with how they can actually get the nft yeah, um, you know, you know, follow our Twitter to like, you know, keep tabs on the drop. It's it's eminent. It's like very soon, I'd say in the next, you know, month and a half ish. Um, but we're, you know, again, it's like we're trying to be super diligent. And that started with the with the test, the art we've been working on forever. We're really trying to make sure all the contracts, everything are super, super in place. We're going through a through third party review of everything to make sure that it's perfect. 
And so we'll release it once it's perfect. <laughs> so, so, you know, the process is watch us on Twitter. You're, you know, uh, when you mint this thing, what you'll end up doing is, uh, uh, you'll buy the token, you'll take the test and then we have to individually render each, you know, each, each NFT. So it'll take about a, a week for you to get your NFT after you've minted it because it's so, cause it's so custom. So that's really the process. That's how it'll work. There's also, there's also going to be some insanely exciting, uh, collaboration announcements post post mint. We don't want to give anything away too Ooh. soon, but uh, <laughs> you just have to be a, a believer, I guess. Don't give securities, Max. That's what you've been telling me not to do. <laughs> no, Dude, I'm literally chomping at the bit. I'm, good, I'm so excited things. about the meetings we've already been having about this project because it's fucking wild. Do you have to keep up with it? Because it's, I'm stoked. So you know, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it goes from even the test. If you go on our Twitter, you can see people taking the test. It's funny. It's cool. It's like a nice thing to take. It's a good experience. And then all the way to the other end, it's just like, I cannot wait to sell this thing so we can start talking about everything we have planned on the other side. I mean, that's exciting, especially if people look into your guys' background, you know, the relationships you have in the art world, the relationships you have in like, you know, the music world and things like that. So that that's, yeah. I mean, that's juicy stuff, what you just said. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you don't retweet it right now, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I'm drawing the winner. So let me get a little, uh, little drum roll for us here. All right, here we go. So we're about, <laughs> Nikki got the drum roll, but uh, here we go. We're drawing the winner. Here we go. So let me just make sure that these people are in the room. So Here we go. I'm about to click the button. The button is about to be clicked. What's happening is my hand is moving toward the mouse. It's getting inching ever closer toward that <laughs> mouse, which is about to be clicked. You cannot wait because that button is about to be clicked. As I click the button down, what happens is the site actually ends up selecting somebody. So I As just invited, the, okay. hey, look, I just invited Soul Train to the stage. So Soul Train. If you can come to the stage right now, you're in the room right now. Oh my God. <laughs> Here we Soul go, Train. Soul Train. Oh my well, God, I can't take not, it. He's got to come. Soul Train, you got to come, buddy. You got to come on stage. I invited you. I'm going to hear from. Oh, he's on stage. There we go. Now we are talking. Congratulations, Soul Train. You just won a multi beast NFT by the House Haas Brothers, powered by Remaster. How do you feel right now? Yeah, what's up, y'all? Uh, pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> I've been doing these uh, spaces Monday through Friday with y'all, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's my first win, so oh, first time well, I'm up on stage, too, obviously. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm psyched to be here. Appreciate y'all. Well Yeah, well, thank you for, for joining. It says that you're the owner of an organic mushroom company. Maybe this is the start of a relationship between you and the Haas brothers hey. that involve mushroom sculptures. <laughs> We've made some of those already, man. Let's do it. Do you want to take the Do you want to take yeah, the, the Joshua tree? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Soul Train, you want to take the beta? Are you up for that? Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like, All right. sounds like a fun time. Right on. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Well, ladies and gentlemen, shout out again to our sponsor, the Multi-Beast NFT Project by the Haas Brothers, powered by Remaster.io. Nikki, any closing thoughts for the audience before we wrap? I'm just stoked to be on here, man. I, You know, Web3 just, you know, it's important. I say just engage it in a way that know that you're building the future. That's all, you know? Hell yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Love it.
<laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for joining, guys. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Everybody, make sure you check out our sponsor and appreciate everybody listening to the show. We do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern time every single week. We hope to see you next time. Uh, you know, Haas Brothers, you, you guys are in L.A., right? Yeah, we're in L.A. We're both right. in L.A. Yeah, all of us are. Hell yeah. Shout out the West Coast. Shout out LA. We'll see you guys next week.